This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Join across from me, that's Jack Foster. Man, we're breaking down Tennessee's loss to Missouri today, live from Columbia. Jack, how you doing? It's been a long two days for us. Yeah, it's been a long two days, but a fun two days. Um, it's been a great college football Saturday. I know the Tennessee game was sideways, but it's been a good day in the sport so far. So we've got some good college football on here tonight in Columbia. But yeah, obviously a very disappointing loss for Tennessee today, and we'll get to it. Yeah, and let's let's not waste any time. You know, you're right. We got some good college football on in the background right now, but man, I think the people want to kind of talk about this game and know about this game. Number 13, Tennessee, falls to number 14, Missouri, by a score of 36-7. to Jack, you and I talked about this a little bit in the stand-up postgame, but this was just a, it was a lopsided game, you yeah. know, it, 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 from the opening jump. And the first quarter was weird, right? It, it, was, it was dominated by, by Missouri to the tune of 24 plays to just three offensive plays from Tennessee, but they took that 7-3 lead at some point in the second quarter. Or excuse me, Tennessee took a 7-3 lead at some point in the second quarter. Missouri, I believe, took that to 10-7. And from there, it was off to the races. And I say that because they were able to run the ball so well. Exactly, yeah. Missouri scored 33 unanswered to close out the game. As you mentioned, Tennessee went up 7-3. That's, that's the only time they scored. So the final score was, you know, what it was, 36-7. Yeah, the first quarter was weird. Missouri ran 24 plays to Tennessee's 3 uh, is that 20-play, 72-yard drive that bled into the second quarter just pretty much, you know, it just made the game not play in Tennessee's favor from there on out. You know, Tennessee's yeah. offense is one that likes to run the ball and dictate, and Tennessee's defense just could not get off the field all game long. I wrote about it on RockyTopInsider.com. That for, that drive from Missouri wasn't their first drive because first drive, Brady Cook threw a pick to Tank McCullough, but that drive was foreshadowing of how the game would go. That's a great way to put it. Because that you know, picking up third downs, Brady Cook using his legs, Cody Schrader looking like Barry Sanders. I mean, that drive foreshadowed how Missouri was able to move the ball on Tennessee's defense all game long. And then, you know, outside of that 46-yard touchdown to Dante Thornton, Tennessee couldn't answer because they could never really be who they are, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. And I think you're completely right. I mean, that was a 20-play drive. It's remarkable. And Not even the thing is, they only kicked a field goal. You know, yeah, it's and like you think about that drive, and it was so important in the game, but still, they only came away with three. It's it's crazy to think about. Absolutely, it was, but ultimately, the, the really kind of the downfall for Tennessee's defense day, and boy, was there a downfall for both sides of the ball. But the downfall for Tennessee's defense day, like you alluded to, was Cody Schrader using his legs on the ground. Not only that, though, he was able to catch the ball through the air. What I'm trying to say is that Cody Schrader did whatever he wanted to do with yeah. the Tennessee defense today. I believe at halftime he had 200 all-purpose yards or something along those lines, it was just a, it, was, it wasn't a great effort, I think, that you saw from Tennessee. And that's something that Josh Heupel talked about post-game. He said he was disappointed with the performance. That's something that Gabe Judy Lawley said after the game, which he was the only defensive player that we got to talk to. But Tennessee just did not execute when they needed to. They were not sound in their quarterback contain. Brady Cook was able to use his legs to not only run the ball in plenty of third-down situations, but he was also just able to extend plays. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking back to that first drive of the game or so, right? He escapes some pressure, rolls out to the right, and he hits a guy just way down wide open, right, in a different zip code. And I think that might have even happened twice. It was just a, a rough game for, for, for Tennessee to 
contain the quarterback, to contain the running back. Now, what I did kind of think during the game was, okay, well, maybe if Tennessee can get this one thing to switch, they'll have an advantage. And that was they kept getting Missouri into third down situations. I mean, they forced them into 16. And look, I know Missouri ran a ton of plays tonight. They were on offense a lot of the time. I I believe 40 minutes compared to Tennessee's 20. So yeah, they were going to have a lot of plays. But Tennessee got 16 third downs out of Missouri the Tigers just converted 11 of them, and Tennessee could not get off the field like you alluded to earlier. Yeah, and it was. I feel like that's probably the biggest story of the game is just Missouri's ability to keep drives going, and a lot of that was because of Brady Cook's legs. He had four carries for 49 yards and a touchdown on third down conversions alone. So he picked up four third downs of the 10, or 11, I should say, Missouri converted with his legs. And then Cody Schrader had four third down conversions for himself too so that combination was just way too much for Tennessee tonight you talk about Schrader he had 205 on the ground 116 receiving but 86 of that was after the catch 86 of his 116 receiving yards tonight after the catch like that's insane how little Tennessee could contain him bring him down like I said dude came in SEC's leading rusher same thing happened a couple weeks ago with Ray Davis in that Tennessee-Kentucky game, but they were able to shut Ray Davis down. The complete opposite tonight. Yeah, it's funny. I think I looked at you at one point in the game, and I said, man, quite the Cody Schrader game. And you said, man, quite the yak game, because yeah. that's exactly what it was. It was the yards after catch, and, and it was yards after contact a lot of the times, too. I I don't, I don't I, I could be wrong. I still got to go back and watch some of the tape, so you know, don't, don't shoot the messenger here, but I didn't feel like it was Tennessee's worst tackling game of the season, no. or it was even you know a, a disaster by any stretch. But there were a couple key missed tackles, and I thought those were big. But to me, it was just a lot more about the containment, and they just were not able to contain anybody from the Missouri offense. Now, I think the the funny thing is, you know, we talked a lot about this game, and and certainly the fans were talking about it as well. Was Luther Burden right? What was he going to play? What kind of impact was he going to play? This is one of, if not the SEC's best receivers. Frankly, Tennessee's Tennessee's defense kind of held their receivers in check for a good little bit. I, I think if you're adding this up, uh, only about 150 passing yards came to the receivers. But again, it was just Schrader that was so effective out of the backfield. Right, yeah. I don't think Luther Burden was 100%. He just didn't quite look all the way there. It looked a little slow, looked a little dinged up. And that's, yeah. that's to be expected with how much his status was up in the air going into the game. He had the touchdown late when I think Tennessee's defense was just yeah. so flat. I mean, the game was over. But yeah, they did a good job containing the perimeter. And and I think you kind of felt that from Gabe Judy Lawley when he was asked about Tennessee's inability to contain Brady Cook on the ground. Now they're asking you're spot on. You have to think you're asking a cornerback here. Right. Okay. And I could tell he didn't get mad or anything. He didn't get flustered, but I could just sense that he's like, Man, the defense covered so well tonight on the perimeter, but no one was able to – I don't know if it was just a scheming issue, no spy. I mean, I didn't see a spy for the majority of the night, but just, you know, the linebacker play was not at a good level tonight for Tennessee. It was a bad Elijah Herring game especially. Yeah, that's something that I noticed in the press conference as well. And not that he was throwing shade at anybody or, or no, no, by no. any stretch, but – and I know you weren't alluding to that, but it, you're right. You know, he, he did kind of say – he said, you know, look – we, we yeah. did our best in coverage, he, and he was just able to slide in the pockets. He put it on himself a little bit, but even though no one should expect it to be the cornerback's fault, he's like, you know, we just have to do a better job of getting off our coverage when realizing he's running and go down and make that tackle. It's like no one's expecting cornerbacks to come down and make those kinds of stops when it's a third and six. You know, that's yeah. it's a hard thing to do. 
but you know, just a just something I've noticed there in the presser. Yeah, I think so too. But man, and again, and we're about to talk about the offensive side here in a minute. But that was just a it was a game where Tennessee was trailing the whole time because Missouri's offense was able to, like you said, control the pace of the game. They were able to dictate the flow of the game. They were able to play with a lead. Uh, and, and really, Tennessee just had a very tough time off. Uh, well, defensively slowing them down, but then offensively trying to catch up and make room. Yes, and you know, like I said earlier, Tennessee's a team that wants to run the ball. They've been so good at it all year, and they were not able to do that. And they didn't have the luxury of being able to do that a lot and to try and work out the kinks. Jalen Wright, I believe, had seven or eight carries, about twenty-two to twenty-five rushing yards, if I remember the seven stat. for twenty-two. Well done. Yeah, if I remember the stat correctly. So he was bottled up, didn't get a whole lot of opportunities though. Had one big run. So I honestly think his stat line tonight. You know, it's, it's not usually uh, how you want, you want a right stat line is. 14 you? yards, I believe, was as long. Six for eight yards besides the 14-yard run. There you go. So, um, 80, Only 83 yards on Tennessee on the ground tonight. And again, I thought that was a, a big challenge that Tennessee needed to overcome. Now, I, I did think that the downfield passing game at, at times looked really nice. And, and man... It's tough when you when you lose a receiver and you're you know you're basically playing with two redshirt freshmen. I understand that they're both talented, but Tennessee loses Dante Thornton. That's a tough one. Um, but the running game it was just really surprising to me that that was not able to get going. And once you really started to get a sense that that was not going, obviously they can break out a run right at any time. We've we've seen Tennessee do that before, but once you kind of started to get the sense that the running game just wasn't there, it felt tough to overcome. Yeah, and Dylan Sampson tonight, if it's not right, it's been Sampson this year. And it was very similar to the Florida game. Sampson had a touch tonight, <laughs> more than he had a, against Florida. But it still felt he was not really a part of the game plan, and that was likely a game flow issue. I don't necessarily agree with Tennessee not involving Sampson just because that's how the game went. I think Sampson should have been involved, involved more than he was. But you also didn't see a lot of number six tonight because of how the game played out. So... Going back to my original point, though, Tennessee's running backs, just it wasn't a good night. Wright was off. Sampson not able to be utilized. And also, Rick, the penalties. The penalties the were penalties. so big tonight in Tennessee's offensive stalling, if you will. The offense stalling when it didn't need to do that because it felt like any time they got some sort of momentum, it'd be a holding call on John Campbell, on McCallum Castles a couple of times just to note. A holding call will bring them back. Joe Milton talked about a little post-game pre-snap penalty. Still a thing they got to work out on the road. But those holding calls especially, man, you can't have that when you have limited opportunities on offense because your defense can't get off the field and you're squandering those opportunities with these kinds of penalties. Yes, and I'll give a, I'll give a little shout-out to our friend Ryan Shumpert who uh, is not here with us in Columbia this weekend. He was off covering the Tennessee basketball game against Wisconsin and Madison. But he likes to kind of use the example or at least kind of joke around for the Tennessee Titans. And hey, this was all pre-Will Levis. I don't know if his opinions change. I'm not following Will Levis or anything. But he would always say, you know, if the Titans had a, a holding penalty, the drive was over, right? You just knew that they weren't going to be able to overcome that. And there were times today in this game where, you know, Tennessee would get that penalty, right? And it would draw them back five yards, ten yards, whatever it was. And you just felt like, hey, without a big pass here, Tennessee's not going to pick up this. This uh, Tennessee's not going to pick up the yardage that they need to. That also brings me to another point that I thought was critical in the middle of the game. Quite literally, the middle of the game was that 30 seconds right before halftime, and then coming out with a three and out in the second half. I, I, I thought that was that was an opportunity that Tennessee had to really mm -hmm. get back in the game. I mean, you think about that that 
six-point swing, maybe could have been more, but Tennessee is driving down the field. They're getting to the red zone. There's about 40 seconds left on the clock or so. Jalen Wright fumbles in the red zone. Cody Schrader then takes the ball and, and moves it all, yard run. 35-yard run, moves it all the way into Missouri territory before you blinked. I mean, if you went to the bathroom, you would have missed this whole sequence. Therefore, Missouri is able to get that three-point field goal heading into halftime. Okay, Tennessee can still come back after halftime, right? They get the ball first. That's what Josh Heupel likes to do as an offensive guy. Set the tone for the second half, three and out. And I'm not a I'm not a play calling guy. I, I don't you know that's that's not my expertise. But I just I, I didn't love what Tennessee was doing there. I'm not going to stay very critical on that because again, it's not my forte. But I just thought that those two drives right before halftime, then right after halftime, uh, was a really big opportunity that was completely squandered. Yeah, no question. That six-point swing ultimately isn't something we're writing about or we're talking about a whole lot. But going into the half, it was the story. It's like, oh, this six-point is gonna six points is gonna be huge. I didn't think Missouri was win by twenty-nine. No one did. But you did think Missouri maybe was gonna win by ten or by seven or by three, and that six points would come back to haunt Tennessee. I, I think it did as far as just momentum carried into the half, and Tennessee couldn't flip that at all coming out of the break and. Rick, you talk about being critical of play calling. I think it's okay to acknowledge that Tennessee hasn't been that good, um, you know, overcoming when they get these long-distance situations, such as a first and 20. And my biggest beef tonight is second and long play calling. Oh, my gosh. Like, what are we doing (laughs) doing a halfback draw on second and 16? I just don't understand it. especially in the second half with how the night's going, and you saw that a couple times. So I do have a little beef with the play calling at times. Sure. But, yeah, it is what it is. Like you said in Ryan's saying about the Titans, when when this Tennessee team with Joe Milton and the limitations he has and that this offense has evolved into, and it's not – I don't even think evolves the right word because it's kind of just been what it's been. But Heupel's still not fully trusting Milton. When you get in those situations, it's so hard for Tennessee to overcome that unless Squirrel or Thornton tonight, obviously, you know, if unless one of those guys is just going to make a big play. Yeah, and I think that there has been moments where you've seen Tennessee overcome that type of things, but it's against your Yukons. It's against your South Carolinas. It'll be against your Vanderbilts coming up. One of the, the things that I was thinking about, one of the things we talked about in the stand-up afterwards was you look at the Florida loss, right? That was just, that, that was a collapse. You look at the second half of Alabama, that was a collapse. You look at, at today's game against uh, against Missouri, and Tennessee was just never in it and, and struggled for four quarters. The losses that Tennessee's racking up here on the road, it's concerning that none of them have been that competitive. I, I know the first half against Alabama was really, really good, and I'll be the first to admit that, but in these three losses, it's it's not been a you know a final drive by the opposition, right, that, that can stick it in the end zone or something. If... Two out of three, and really two and a half out of three, have been manhandles. Yeah, I mean, I give the floor to that title. I do. Okay. But tonight, I don't... It was 22-7 going in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, 15-point game, it's hard it, It's hard for Tennessee to overcome that. When they went up 19-7, I thought it was going to be hard for Tennessee to overcome that. But I wouldn't necessarily call this a manhandle. The score looks way worse than what it is because of the pick six and then because of the burden touchdown when I thought the defense, I don't want to use the Q word, but when it just was flat at the end and the game was over. So I wouldn't call this a beat down. Missouri outplayed them in every facet of the game. Tennessee was far from good. But I did think it wasn't just a comp- – I mean, I don't want to – Limited because it was a disaster. It was a total nightmare. It was sure. everything bad. It's the worst loss of the Josh Heupel era. But 
Yeah, it, I don't necessarily agree with a 13-7 ball game at halftime being just a complete shellacking, you know? Sure, I, I get that, and I, I see what you're saying. I think that makes sense. I, I kind of see it in a, a little bit of an opposite way. I, it's, there were a couple moments where I looked up at the scoreboard, and I was like, wow, it's only like a 15-point yeah, game. You know, it, you're right. There were a couple times where I thought it, it, it could have been bigger, but... Um, but that is a that's a that's a really interesting thought right there. All right, what else are we missing so far from the game? Um, just you know, hopefully Dante Thornton's okay. I know he's on crutches on the sideline after catching the touchdown. It just sucks to see him have the best play of the year and then get hurt on it. You know, for him. Um, so we'll see what his injury is. Um, but outside of injury notes, just from the game, you know, just looking at it from a broad scope, I just kind of mentioned it. Just what this loss means for Tennessee right now in the season and. You know, just looking at it being the worst loss of the Josh Heupel era at Tennessee, it comes at a tough time because you want to close the season strong, and then you got Georgia next week, and this huge disappointment just in Columbia, Missouri, is tough to swallow. But you know, Tennessee's going to have to try and rebound, and they got a Georgia team coming into Neyland next week that's already headed to Atlanta. They just beat down Ole Miss fifty-two to seventeen, and it feels like Georgia is all the way back as far as. You know, firing on all cylinders, so I'm sure that game's going to be tough next weekend. But Tennessee's just got to try to find a way to not let the season, you know, just completely spiral out of control. Sure, yeah, I I, I would agree. Um, yeah, you look at that game next weekend against Georgia, and it, it, it feels tough from every single angle that you look at it. But Tennessee's got a week to go back and correct some of those mistakes, see what they need to do better, and obviously, like we've been saying, you know, just put together a, a complete effort on the field, and it is going to yeah. be an uphill battle next weekend. Um, but I think that's the tough part. You know, you've seen Tennessee play complete efforts uh, at, at times, so you know it's there. But they've got to be able to do it on the road. I, I think that's extremely critical for this team and for this coaching staff. Um, you know, you mentioned the word disappointment. I, I, it's funny. I, Josh Heupel only had about a five and a half minute press conference after the game today. Used the word disappointment five times. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he said it over and over. So I, I think that's certainly the the feeling coming out of the locker room today. Uh, I'm sure that's a feeling that many people in the fan base have. Many people probably also angry, and I, you know, I think that's fair. You had a lot to play for. Uh, Tennessee had a lot to play for in, in this game and just came up short. Yeah, and, you know, just goes – I think the Kentucky game didn't get rid of all worries that Tennessee is bad a bad road team. You know, Kentucky is Kentucky and Lexington's Lexington. But this – Boy, they got beat down by Alabama. Yeah, another SEC blowout today. Kentucky could not hang with Bama at all. But this uh, brings back the conversation of Tennessee just not being the same on the road. And we don't get to see them on the road again. Of course, the bowl game will be neutral site. They get Georgia and Vandy and Knoxville. But that's just going to be a continuing theme for this Josh Heupel team you know, in, in his era unless he can change that narrative consistently yeah. outside of just one or a game a, yeah. game a year, if you will. Yeah, I would typically... I would typically agree. All right, my friend. Well, I say we wrap this up unless you got any other thoughts. I think we've pretty much hit everything. And, of course, we got all of our written work over on RockyTopInsider.com. We have social media stuff up at RockyTopInsider on all different social platforms. So what do you think? Any other thoughts? No. Um, I'm not on board with uh, Nico starting against Georgia. I've seen that. What I mean, season's over. Play Nico next week. Dude, why would you start Nico Yamaleava against Georgia? I don't think I'd do that. That That's all I'll say on that. I've seen that a lot tonight. Naturally, it's going to happen after a bad loss. Yeah. But just my thoughts on that, and that's all I got. Joe Milton, by the way, 22 of 34 for 267 yards, a touchdown and an interception, an average of just under eight yards 
per completion. So, man, that's the game tonight. Again, we are going to continue covering this over on RockyTopInsider.com. We will have all the coverage that you need to know. We've already got tons of great content up already. We've got things talking about Josh Heupel's postgame press conference. We've got things talking about what Eli Drinkwitz said after the game, which if you haven't seen that, I would highly recommend you go and look at it. Uh, although it, it might uh, put a sour taste in your mouth, uh, depending on how you did, feel about things. Did it almost feel like Eli took this game super personally after what happened last year? A hundred percent. Yeah. Last two years, I would say, too. Right, but the the narrative of maybe Tennessee ran up the score a little bit last yeah. year. And you could tell he kind of brought that back up after he, what happened last year. Did he take shots at, at Tennessee at a press conference one time talking about vacated wins? and? Yeah, I think that was before last season. Okay, yeah. 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 So, yeah, this... I'm not going to say it's like some huge rivalry between Drink and Heibels or something, but yeah, it is. It did feel personal for Drinkwitz based off of his immediate comments after the game. So, Heibels' first note. loss uh, in Columbia since returning as uh, returning to his old stomping grounds, really, because Tennessee went in there and won. And uh, well, I don't know if I don't think he ever played them uh, with with Central Florida, but. Went in there, won in 2021, and now suffers a, a loss after being the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in 2016 and 2017. How different! I, I I didn't even think about that during the game, but that was all familiar grounds for him. Isn't it crazy how difference a year, uh, how much difference a year can make? Because Tennessee scored 66 against Missouri last year. Yeah, and seven today. Josh Heupel's lowest point toted total for yeah. uh, his time at Tennessee, and um, yeah, just it's a 59 point difference. 59 points. That's how many more. points Tennessee scored against UConn last week? Yes. It's insane. An entire UConn game difference in these two years. It's wild. There and the only go. reason they got seven was on the most improbable touchdown they scored all year. On a guy who yeah, hadn't caught a touchdown I, all year. I was debating bringing that up, but it is kind of, you know, you sit here late it, with your late night thoughts and you're like, wow, Tennessee was an incredibly improbable play away from getting shut out in that game because I don't think they would have driven down the field much more. Third and long. Squirrel does a great job in the slot of bringing the safety down. It's one-on-one. Thornton in the corner. I mean, credit to Joe for the throw and super credit for Dante for oh the my catch. Oh, an but amazing yeah, catch. Just that scenario of a guy who hadn't even had 100 yards receiving on the year, I don't think, just under no. maybe uh, no touchdowns, and then that's that's your only score of the night. It's pretty wild. And he gets hurt on the play, which is, which is sad to yeah, see. Yeah, it was and really he, sad. You hate to see for any player to get hurt, but certainly uh, we'll, we'll see how Tennessee rebounds after this one, and you know that the team's going to get back to work here in Knoxville as they prepare for two final uh, home games against Georgia and Vanderbilt to close out the regular season of play. It's going to wrap it up for us tonight here on a late night in Columbia. we got a big travel day tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can go over to RockyTopInsider.com and check out all of our post-game work from the show today. Also, check us out on social media at RockyTopInsider. Wherever you are, we are there as well. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We got you covered on all different platforms. But otherwise, Jack, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go ahead and continue a little bit more work. Thank you so much for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. For Jack Foster, I'm Rick Butler. We'll catch you back for the next one.